Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense. Purdy rolls right, looking to throw. Benito gives chase, comes back left. Purdy still looking, sets up, balls loose, rolling around in Iowa State territory. Redmond picked it up. Redmond on the run. Redmond scores. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. If you wouldn't mind smashing the subscribe button, even giving us a five-star review that makes us more visible to other listeners, we would greatly appreciate it. I'm your host for the evening, Kami Amrabian, joined by... Man, Stephen Brown, we have known each other for like se- seven, eight years now. How how are you doing? Is uh, it how, gosh? How long has it been? Because we knew late each other. 2015, 2016. We, we knew each other before because we podcasted, started podcasting in 2015, which was the most convenient play time to ever start a Sooners podcast. When the Sooner, like you know, when the actual team like started to revive itself. But we knew each other, I think, of, <laughs> on Twitter prior to 2015. So, actual person, we've known each other for like seven years. Yeah, it's been a long but, time. Gosh, you're time under flies. the uh, the alias Boomtown, and we had what Keegan and gosh. someone else. I can't even remember the other person. That's right. Oh my gosh. I'm sure so they listen. Uh, subscribe to this podcast, though. So good, old, do, good old, good old Boomtown. If I know you. Yeah, good old Boomtown days, my <laughs> God! But speaking of long time, it's been a long time since since we podcasted last. And it, no, like it's not like we podcast only when the Oklahoma Sooners win. It's just like I do. <laughs> it's easier that way. It, it's it's true. It's it's true. It happened that season. It happened this season. No, it's been honestly to the to the listeners and fans. Like it's been it's been on me my doctoral work i've just been super busy and schedules and all that stuff so sorry about that but we're back on track well it's, and we it, got I mean, uh jack left the country it's been yeah, so jack, bad jack, jack's not even in he the, country, just left the country you know? Un- unlike the canadian geese he's actually <laughs> flying north it makes no sense you know that boy that that boy don't don't make no sense sometimes you know he ain't right Anyways, we've got a game to talk about this week. We got a lot of things to talk about in general since we've last spoken, and like just like big things to touch on as, as that, that I think are really significant. So let's get started. I mean, of course, yes, this week Oklahoma plays Iowa State in Ames, 11 a.m. on, on FS1. 
Um, that's where OU is currently at these days with, but they're favored by one point, which I think is really, really interesting. But before we get to talking about the game, let's talk about what, let's revisit the last time we actually had a podcast. Um, and let's revisit from the beginning of the season to where now we are approaching, like we're at the middle of the season. So from your season prediction to now, how are you feeling about this team just in general, talent wise, maybe where they're headed? What do you, what do you think? The, uh, the Brent Venables crimson shaded goggles have definitely come off. So it's not as uh, bright and shiny as we thought it would be, but um, it's also a season where we probably should have seen these road bumps coming. And I think we even talked about them a little bit um, that there's going to be some learning curves to this defense. And obviously they are learning a lot, um, especially how to tackle would be mm-hmm. one of those things, key, key development. But um, no, I think, for the most part, this program is still heading in the right direction. Um, there's some things obviously you would like to fix um, and you don't want to see your team, you know, be four and three or, you know, maybe after this week, four and four, but there's some bright spots on this, this offense and defense, some young guys coming along. Um, and I think we'll look back at this moment a year, two years from now and say, you know, that, that growth period was really needed. Yeah, and that and that's what I'm thinking about. I, I far as far as this team, you know, one of the first things I thought of about when pre- predicting about this team was they could be a pretty decent team if they stayed healthy. And then I said, I remember saying this on a podcast: if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt and, and some of some somebody else somebody else goes down, that. And injuries happen, like substantial players, such as Billy Bowman, such as Dylan Gabriel. If, if those guys go down, uh, oh, expect this season to look far more rocky than it should be. Because we know that TCU game wouldn't have finished the way it would have if Dylan Gabriel was still in a QB. As the same way that Texas game would have played out a little bit differently as well if Dylan Gabriel was able to run that offense. And so... But as far as the team, I look at kind of like their progression over the last how many weeks. And I I, I look at, you know, of course, I look at, I think about the team in general from what I thought from the beginning of the season, but also this idea that a lot of people understood probably what challenges OU would face, but maybe didn't on oftenly openly admit those challenges that OU could possibly have some true challenge uh, challenges a season as a team. And I think they're headed in the right direction. I really like that Robert Spears Jennings is being used a lot more on the field in favor of other safeties. Um, he is very fast, likes to hit very hard. He may blow assignment here or there, but I want a guy that's fast and hits hard in the field instead of a guy that just cannot keep up with receivers. Um, and I I think a lot of people will know who I'm talking about regarding that. <laughs> but I, I feel like the team is heading in the right direction, and I like the way you phrased it about Brent Venables. You know, we look two years on the road and say, hey, that year was a building block. And our good friend uh, and, and supporter of the pod uh, from Twitter, Red Dirt Sport, um, he mentioned how this season felt a lot like 99 
And that was the year my dad started really making me look at OU football and say, hey, we might get, we might go to a game next year, kiddo. And like, that's kind of like, that's kind of the vibes that um, he brought up. And I was thinking back to it and like asking my dad about the 99 season. And a lot of it is, you know, of course, the circumstances are different, but a lot of it seems to line up the way that it is just, it's going to have to manifest in different ways, but all right. The next big thing we got to talk about that really made some people really happy. Some people indifferent (laughs) and other people really angry. Oklahoma displays their anthracite unity uniform uniforms against Kansas on homecoming. What's your take on the uniforms? They weren't the worst. I mean, they looked decent. Obviously, everyone, I think, had trouble reading the numbers uh, on, on the jersey. They didn't really contrast too well. But That um, unity kinda... guy was everywhere, all over oh, yeah. the field. Oh, God. Yeah, that uh, that was interesting. The, the no-name – when did they do the no-name thing with Bob Stoops? That, that's what I kind of thought of. 2006. So take the names off, you know, just erase all the names, just do numbers. I thought that was – Kind of an interesting thing. Obviously, they put unity up there because of the message of the uniforms, and and that's great. But uh, overall, I mean, the concept was cool. I kind of, I'm not a big fan of the anther side. I think they should have just gone black. I agree. Kind of like Tennessee's doing. Yeah, I thought that would look a lot better. But uh, hey, they're finally trying it. Good for them. I'm not too mad about it. Yeah, I felt like a pure black uniform with a white Sooners across a chest with the white numbers. Yeah, kind of. And what and and the same thing with the helmet. Uh, maybe a little bit different with like, I don't know how you would do the helmet. That's kind of difficult with like a black jersey. Maybe like a white white helmet and red OU. I don't know. They they're the ones that figured out and, and white white pants and in black. You know, I don't know how, how you figure that out. Like, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a nice change of pace. Did you like them better than the Rough Rider uniforms or like the all cream uniforms that Oklahoma's worn in the past, or all the all the um, all red uniforms Oklahoma's worn in the past? I think I did. I think I did. They looked pretty good. I like that there was a lot of player involvement in the design as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. they didn't really come up with too many unique ideas. They just kind of took the softball uniforms, but um, getting like the sole mission and the players involved in the design was pretty cool as well. I mean, this is the the last major sport at the University of Oklahoma to adopt these uniforms. Basketballs had them for a while. Softballs had them for a while. It would only make sense that Oklahoma, like the football team, would eventually right. also. And get they did these away things. with the wood grain, which is what I've been wanting. Yes, get rid get rid of that stuff. It's so it and it's also outdated. It's it's yeah. been something that's a, nearly a decade old. Like why? It, it's it's it was it was time and I, and I I like those uniforms um, and I, of course the messaging of Prentice Scott uh, being the the inspiration for that I thought that was pretty cool um, but anyways so far this season let's talk about the outlook for this team and maybe how it stayed the same how it's changed um, not for now like not and the outlook for now we talked about that a little bit earlier but for the future what do you what do you think about the outlook on this team do you expect them to bounce back rather quickly do you expect them to play a little more of the long game like four years down the road what do you expect from this team in the future 
It's definitely a work in progress, and especially in the defensive front, where I think you mentioned before the season, this is where a lot of your questions were, were how good can these defensive front guys be, especially because they don't have the, the, the type of bodies that you kind of attribute to with the Brent Venables defense. Um, so in that regard, I think they might – you could maybe get some transfers here and there. Um, you're going to have to recruit really well, and you're going to have to finish really well in recruiting this year. But uh, I could see them bouncing back. Uh, maybe not a playoff game next year, but the year after that, I think is completely reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I I, I circled 2024 as a year that Oklahoma could be pretty legitimate again. Um, now, they would likely be going through a quarterback change at that time, which would likely be Jackson Arnold's team, uh, if I were to guess. Um, right, he would be a red shirt freshman at during that year, um, possibly in an offense still managed by Levy. Who knows by that time? Um, but yeah, for this for this team, I expect not necessarily them playing the long game. Uh, Oklahoma fans and the Oklahoma prestige and the brand is too strong for that to play the long game. They're not a team that or or an institution that would play long game like that. They are blue blood. They understand that, and that so do the donors. And so I would expect a bounce back, especially as Oklahoma keeps on recruiting as well as they have been, despite all the things surrounding it with the Riley stuff. And then you had the whole gun, the Kel Gundy stuff. Uh, and so them for, to really keep the recruiting the way they have, despite some misses or some shady dealings, if you will, and then the in back rooms to not get uh, recruits to commit to your institution, um Oklahoma still has been recruiting really well on that front to this year and so for the for this team you know yeah there's gonna be some turnover um uh, I feel like you like you like you said I feel validated in my really big concerns about the defensive front uh in particular um in that Oklahoma's got to do a lot of portal work like you said especially in the trenches in, on defense and maybe a little bit on offense too again um and in in for the future and maybe even do some portal work for the qb room because i don't see jackson arnold or nick evers <laughs> next year challenging dylan gabriel because it be, seems pretty clear dylan gabriel is gonna be back next year especially after not playing it for a couple games not necessarily having the best year i don't go see him going after this year um so something on the flip side of the ball though earlier you talked about the defensive learning curve and I know in the bye week, Oklahoma really worked on uh, just getting back to the basics of Brent Venable's defense, you know, doing like, you know, what to do, what coverages, uh, where linebackers should drop, where safety should be in certain specific positions. I'm sure they did a lot of plenty of tackling drills, et cetera. And they tackled relatively well against, against Kansas as well. Um, and so for you, this team, how, what is their ceiling on the season now for defense for you? Like, does this defense improve as the season continues or is this defense just a, the product it is right now? And that's what, <laughs> and you're going to, going to have to see an off season of improvement. Uh, there's room for improvement this season. Obviously um, there's some guys coming, coming along some younger guys like CJ Colden, I think obviously is probably the guy that everyone's going to point to. Mm -hmm as a guy that probably needs to play a little bit more, you already pointed out uh, Robert Spears Jennings would be a guy that's kind of flashed recent here. 
um up front maybe a guy named like uh it was a like grayson halton has played a little bit yeah, hasn't played yeah. a lot but what we've seen of him a little bit uh looked pretty good so if you can get those guys into a rotation or, or you know somehow a starting spot um there's some room for improvement this season now you're looking at some of the older guys that can step up like a justin broyles or uh i would even say like a david Aguebu. When you talk about like a learning curve and X's and O's, we there's only so much you can teach. When you look at the younger guys, especially the guys that um, Brent Venables and his staff is kind of handpicked, mm-hmm. those are guys with they just seem like they have instincts. They're like they're just football players, and I'm not sure you you have a football player like David Aguebu, freak athlete, uh, probably doesn't have the instincts to be an inside linebacker at the next level. Let's just be honest. Like if he's like a Russian or something like else. Mm-hmm perfectly fine but yeah instincts and are just being a football guy i just don't know if it's there i i i expected to see packages in which Aguebu was on the edge rushing like several times yeah, this he's year done it before and i i i i mean i'm sure he's done it this year but i just haven't noticed it as much i suppose and i mean there, there's just a, so much to learn for these players that i think that they are thinking on the field instead of being able to just recognize and do. Uh, and, and especially with the defense is complicated. It's take, it's taking time, time obviously, because again, we have to imagine like you, you have to imagine being in the, the, the mindset of these small players. Many of these players have only played under Alex Grinch and, and some maybe was, Everybody played for Alex Grinch. Yeah, no. No. Many played for Mike, too. Yeah. Yeah, the 2017 class would have been Mike's class. Yeah, so you still have guys that have been through Mike, through Alex Grinch, and now, and, like, you go from Mike's uh, very kind of multiple stuff to Alex Grinch, I'm looking at my wristband, and I'm doing my one job, and it's a pretty simplified defense, but apparently generates turnovers, which is what it's basically used for. And then you go to a Brent Venables style scheme where things are incredibly multiple like Mike, uh, but things are different. The way the defense is run is different. They have uh, different positions and just different unique uh, kind of qualities about them and they're playing coverages and they're playing routes and they're disguising their differences defensive coverages and it's such a different process and so for the older guys this this might be really hard for them to grasp and then for the younger guys heck they're just they're just you know getting used to the weight and conditioning program of course i'm sure many of them have by now but they're just surviving workouts and trying to learn stuff on the fly so um, I like you, I also agree that they can still grow, but at the same time, I think that they're limited by the players that they have. Right. I mean, of course it doesn't have, it doesn't help that Billy Bowman has ha- has, has been injured for the last few weeks. Uh, and he's like one of your best players on defense, but has allowed people like Key Lawrence to shine a little bit more. Key's getting a lot more playing time lately, especially. Um, and then I've been really happy with, 
uh, Robert Spears Jennings, but again, like Ethan Downs and the defensive ends in general, even Jalen Redmond to me has been kind of a disappointment this year. Would you say Jalen Redmond is I like, thought he would has, have played more. He hasn't really played that much. And when he does, he, there's some really, really bright moments and there's some just kind of, WTF I don't get it. Plays. It, 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 it. I just don't understand. Like he seems way less consistent this, this year than he has in years past. Is it a couple because of the personnel around there. him or, or what do you think? Uh, it might just be like a mental thing. I don't think it's really the personnel around him. Um, obviously there's probably a lot of weight on his shoulders because he's, he's expected to be that guy for Oklahoma's yeah, defense. Um, and maybe he's just not, maybe we just kind of labeled it wrong. Yeah. Maybe it was Ronnie Perkins getting all the double teams and him being <laughs> he's in a, and, and to his credit, he is a very good player. I mean, we're not dis- discounting Jalen Redmond being a bad, he's not, he's not a bad player. He's a good, very good player, but I mean, He's not as elite, maybe as we thought he would be this year. Is I, I guess he's had some setbacks. Expecting. To be fair, obviously, true. You know, with the COVID season and then um, injuries and that kind of thing. So yeah, right. And of course, you know, Brent just casually just dropping injury news randomly here and there. So, and in Oklahoma, That's a fun thing. Oklahoma, they couldn't have had a bye week at any better week. They were dinged up, and so they actually were able to use that week. Uh, I think some players were able to go home for the weekend and stuff like that uh, and get their batteries recharged before that week of practice where they really hit the fundamentals pretty hard. But let's switch gears real quick. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated. And you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. Um you haven't been really hearing Oklahoma getting close to a commitment of anybody recently. Um, but there has been rumor of Oklahoma possibly losing commitments. Uh, Steven, what do you know about what's, what's going on in the Oklahoma recruiting world? What's going on in, in that, in that sphere? Yeah, I think the, the biggest emphasis so far is just keeping our class together. Um, you know, obviously the two names out there, Colton Vasek, and uh, Anthony Evans, uh, Colton Vasek, obviously being from Austin, taking a lot of unofficials to Texas, which mm-hmm. you had to expect. And then you just add in that Oklahoma just hasn't had the season that a lot of people expected, and and that can hurt your recruiting at times. I mean, Oklahoma laid a duck in, in the Red River rivalry, so um, it's one of those things where you kind of put two and two together, and it's like, uh, maybe maybe we should watch out for Texas on this recruitment because – Beforehand, you didn't even really hear about Texas. I think it was uh, 
Oklahoma and maybe Oregon or Oklahoma and, and yeah. Clemson. Yeah, and Oregon. Clemson obviously the relationship there with Brent Venables, Todd Bates, that kind of thing. Um, Miguel Chavis, that's why he committed to OU. So if there is a silver lining to this recruitment, it's that he's had that relationship and he's wanted to play for those guys longer than he's had interest in Oklahoma. Yeah, especially with Vasek visiting Texas. I, I I was in in like it was like kind of like it was not 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 official thing and he, he attends he attends the games his parents have season tickets and he's like he would be a legacy if he went to Texas and so I mean like in when does that eventually violate Brent Venables code right like like that that I'm that, not sure that if it does. commitment code at all. You know, if you look at the the Anthony Evans situation, him taking a, an unofficial unofficial to uh, to Georgia there this week. Um, that's one of those things where obviously I think Anthony Evans family has he has some family in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big game in Georgia, so I'm not sure if you can really fault a kid for wanting to take his family to that game, especially if they're Georgia fans. Um, but when you talk about Vasic, I think. There's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's under the table agreement, but it's like, hey, you're from Austin. Your family's obviously Texas fans. We're going to yep. have to work through this together. There's going to have to be some some gray area in which we work around. So um, I don't think everything's just cut and dry with Venables. I think he recognizes some situations where, hey, if we want to keep this kid, we're going to have to work with him a little bit. What about are there are there any guys that Oklahoma is possibly trying to get in on and hot on their recruitment trail in general? Caden McDonald might be the only one they're really hot on the recruitment trail right now. That's the the big defensive tackle. Um, but the, I mean, there's always names in the and background that's because of the David Hicks stuff and all that stuff right, that went down. Right. David Hicks is another situation where his name just kind of keeps popping up. I'm not really a buyer in that right now. Um, I will say that the door is not completely closed on Oklahoma some, at all. Some are, some are buyers. Some are, <laughs> I know a couple buyers in uh, College Station there, but yeah, um, the door is not completely closed on Oklahoma by any means. And if they wanted to, they could get back into it. Um, I'm just not big yep. on the belief that Oklahoma is in a point now. If they're like five and two, something like that, some sort of record like that, where they just haven't completely given up on the season in this first, what, six games, seven games, mm-hmm. they'd be a very big contender for David Hicks right now. But the season hasn't gone their way, and that's kind of working against them. Not that it's yeah. working against, you know, A&M, but. Yeah, in, 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 con- in context to be damned, right? Like, as, as if Dylan Gabriel didn't slide and get his head violently hit right. and then bounced off the turf, and then he doesn't play the rest of that game, obviously and doesn't play the Texas game then like the following week where just things could have been a little bit different. I just, I just think, I just, I don't, I don't think that Oklahoma, I don't say that Oklahoma wins that Texas game, but I certainly think they have a far better chance of coming away with the W with Dylan Gabriel. Um, I don't think the talent yeah. discrepancy is that far apart. If after seeing Texas play a what what I've seen so far, right? Would you agree or do you disagree? It's not that far apart. It there's a lot of things that have gone wrong in Oklahoma season where if you adjust one or two things, it looks a lot different. Yeah, uh, and, and and like like I said, like in the very beginning of the season, if injury if injuries happen to specific people, this thing could go haywire, and you could see Oklahoma. I right. even said, I, I even said 
but but Oklahoma will still be bowl eligible. But at this time, at point in time, like it, you start to wonder, especially with the teams that they have <laughs> left, which are all away, and the two toughest teams you have left most likely are at home in Norman. So I think that's really intriguing. Uh, so this kind week of, will kind of give us a good gauge of where this is going to go. Yeah, I, I think I think it did too. I think it did too, and I think Oklahoma is going to be in a dogfight with every team they're 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 involved with. But, and so I'm really, I'm really curious to see what happens in the future. Uh, so speaking of the future, Brent and Jeff Levy, I mean, so far style of defense um, when they're playing complimentary football, like you saw against Kansas, right? Looks great. Looks like it goes well. Looks, looks, looks like it fits well together. Despite, you know, the garbage scores that Kansas had and the, well, and not really the garbage scores, but just like, the 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 busts and coverage of late in, in garbage time um you know that when they play complimentary football it looks fantastic but do you think their philosophies after seeing them through this many games will mesh well or do you think eventually in like in the next few years they would maybe have to make a change just by seeing you um, right now i think they're they don't mesh perfectly by any means but it's good enough to win big games. And we've seen Levy's offense with a capable quarterback look really, really good. And in Brent's defense right now with the personnel he's kind of dealt with, it can either be, you know, pretty good or really, really bad. So uh, I think it's too early to tell, like if there's going to be some trouble in the future, but um, you know, just from these, these seven games, I think you can see there's times where it works out and there's kind of times where everything's going to fall apart. Um, and I think a lot of that's just personnel and trying to get through this first season and we'll just go from there. And, and I think that's fair, right? It, there, there needs to be a waiting out period. There needs to be a filling out period. There's need, there mm-hmm. needs to be a, a period in time in which you're able to get the personnel you want in. I, we all know Oklahoma is going to hit the transfer portal hard once again, um, uh, through offense offensively not just defensively this season as well i mean in the in the trenches needed defensively um offensively there are a variety of places where they can drastically improve just through the transfer portal and thing in in people that they'll need um because i mean eric gray i mean i think i think he's gone after the season yeah uh most likely i think he, i don't does he have a year left if he does i'm i don't think he uses it i think he's off to the nfl and and, Jav- and Javante Barnes, like, do you want him being your running back one next year? Yeah, I think it's very serviceable. And then you got you kind of uh, complement that with like Gavin Sawchuk, who we haven't really seen much of because he's been injured the first part of the season. Uh, probably needs to fill out a little bit, but obviously very talented running back, and you get a one-two punch there. See, that makes me uncomfortable just because they're younger running backs. I want more of like a veteran running back room, just like you would want. You know, it's kind of like that that mo- that model as far as like like a I Bama want, running back yeah, room. Yeah, I, I just want I want older guys to have those positions that are really in pivotal skill position roles. Of course, you'll have your your prodigies. Major. Yeah, you you'll you'll have your prodigies and you'll have your players that are very talented at a very young age, understand the game very well. Um, but at the same time, at running back, I don't know if I would be willing to say I'd be willing to hand the reins over to Javante Barnes and Sawcheck next year. I, I would probably I would, need to grab one running back from the portal. But yeah. I don't think you would take like just a 
a superstar guy. Like uh, you'd have to take a one-year guy because obviously you have Dalen Smothers coming in. Yep. Uh, another very talented running back. So Hicks. Hicks as well. But you'd want a guy that's going to be there for a year and then be on his way. You don't want to stop anything. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And so I, I just kept on thinking about Jeff, Jeff Levy, Brent, looking at it through the lens like, all right, what could this look like in the future? Because, I mean, I look at Jackson Arnold and what he's doing right now, and my goodness, that guy can is gonna would be wonderful in a Levy offense, and especially with speedy receivers that they're, they have this class as well. Guys that can run for days and have speed for days um, are perfect. Uh, Anthony Evans are perfect for this offense. And then you mix so, in like a, a Jaden Gibson, a guy that can just kind of go over the top, obviously not playing too much as a freshman like we thought he would, but um, long-term he fits into like that Theo Weiss role. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 I like I like where, where Jaleel Farouk is. And mm-hmm. as far as Marvin Mims, though, do you think he stays another season after this year? I doubt it. And even if he so needed either. it, I think he's just had such a turbulent time in college, like as, as far as being a player, that he should just kind of head off to the NFL and get his money. I, I've i also been thinking that he is going to uh, be uh, entering the draft this year. So, and I, I have the same thought that, you know, maybe it's, it's, he feels like it's time to move on, especially with the amount of yardage he's racking up. And hey, Eric Gray. If the Sooners' offensive line puts it a little bit more together, he could legitimately be a thousand-yard rusher this year. I think uh, the last podcast we did, I was just bashing Eric Gray, and ever since then, he's done well. So I'm going to continue to bash him. That way, he does well this weekend. Demarco Murray goes out and says, "Hey guys, make somebody miss," and then Eric Gray goes out and does to Kansas defenders. Uh, just like the nastiest and dirtiest things possible. He's finally getting out of his cuts. Oh, it looks he's always fantastic. he's always been a violent, you know, lateral guy, but he just Spin hasn't gotten out of his cuts too. Yeah, like man, this is incredible. Uh, I've I've been rather enjoying this version of Eric Gray, and then of course like the Wildcat with Braden Willis. That's been really fun, and Braden Willis has shown a lot of growth as an athlete, but also as a guy that you know is a reliable figure in the middle of the field uh, on third downs and Drake Stoops being a third down guy. Uh, Marvin Nims is not really the third down guy. He's your deep threat. He's your threat over the middle of the field. And your third down guy has been Drake Stoops and honestly, Braden Willis, hasn't it? Yeah. You've had a couple other guys like Jill Farouk. Um, He's come through clutch a few times. Theo Weiss a little bit yep. here and there. So but yeah, they just kind of force feed Marvin Mims, and then you know when it comes to clutch time, they just send them deep, and anything over the middle uh, is pretty much open. God, they had didn't they target him like seventeen times versus Kansas? I think that's right. It's incredible. I need to go back. I looked at the targets, and I was like, "Good lord!" I just can't remember the the number. I think yeah, I think it was seventeen. But so let's let's talk about. This game this weekend, 11 a.m. OU is a one-point favorite. Uh, it's in Ames, or they were a one-point favorite the last time I checked. Anyways, 15 targets. That's okay, 15 targets. And so, what are some possible strengths you think Oklahoma maybe has over Iowa State? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you look at Iowa State's offense and not being 
kind of the Iowa State offense that most OU fans are accustomed to seeing over these past, you know, two, three years or so. Um, they love to turn the ball over. Um, was it is it Deckers, the quarterback over there yep, now? Deckers. Uh, I think he leads the Big 12 and in, in throwing interceptions. So yeah, there's his, going his to be opportunity. For radio ratio is like two to one or something like that. It's not good. So there's going to be some opportunities there that OU is going to take advantage of. And that's where I think a lot of the strengths lie for this Oklahoma team. Um, you know, I, obviously Iowa State has a really good defense. Um, I think it's maybe the best in the Big 12 at the moment. Um, so you're not going to maybe just kind of punish them on the ground game that you did against Kansas. So they're going to have to rely on a little bit of defense this game. If there's some turnovers, they're going to have to take advantage of that. Yeah, and, and that's my main thing for Oklahoma and, I, and Iowa State is that Oklahoma is going to have to get to Deckers. Oklahoma is have to is going to have to force a turnover or two or, or or something to really remain competitive because, yes, they're still learning that learning curve. I, they still don't have the personnel I think is necessary, necessary to really stop a lot of the Big 12 offenses this year. Um regardless of maybe how not great they are. I mean, it's just it. a lot of teams are moving the ball right now in Oklahoma, and it, it's intriguing in how sometimes Oklahoma will be really good and really sharp one series and just completely bust on a different play. It, it's really, really intriguing. And, I again, getting back to, again, the fundamentals of Brent's defense, I think is important, but we'll see if any of that works, you know, kind of like a prove-me-wrong mentality, but I think – the strengths lie with OU's ability to be explosive. Um, that's something that uh, Iowa State's going to try to take away. And so I think Oklahoma's going to try to navigate that by throwing routes underneath, um, a lot of a, a lot of routes underneath, and really just relying on getting some turnovers and getting some pressure on Deckers. I think you're right with that one, Steven. And so you alluded to some, some strengths Iowa State may have versus – Oklahoma, uh, specifically their de- specifically their defense. Uh, talk more about that. Yeah, so they, they have a very stingy defense, especially up front against the ground game. So if you're talking about uh, strengths for for Iowa State to beat Oklahoma, I think you look at their ability to take away the run and kind of force Dylan Gabriel into beating them over the air. And they have so, they have a good secondary. It's it's not bad, but their strengths are up front on their defensive line. Is um, is this a game where Oklahoma has to yet again use the pass to open the run game? They're gonna have to get creative with it. I think if anything, you kind of sell the run. You kind of sell. Uh, we want to force to run the ball and do some play action and create the pass out of that. So, uh, do they go under center to do that? I think that would work a little bit more. I doubt they do it. That's not really in Levy's playbook. Um, but they're gonna have to get creative with you know selling the run and opening up the pass or vice versa. That's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And so as far as strengths, Iowa state has again. Yeah. Yeah. The defense, Xavier Hutchinson, that got big receivers, as we saw against TCU gave Oklahoma some really big difficulties. Um, And I'm really curious to see how Oklahoma attacks him this week and who they throw at him. I think Billy Bowman will be back uh, and, and who who's going to be covering on Xavier Hutchinson and, and who, where Iowa state goes from there and how Oklahoma is going to attack them. But Iowa state's defense stingy. Um, and 
their offense just, again it, it's 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 an it's an interesting matchup for sure because it is like polar opposites i was strength for strength and weakness yeah. versus weakness and so again i think it comes down to the turnover matchup um so what are you watching for specifically anything in particular i want to see how the offensive line does because this is gonna be one of their first i don't want to say first real test but this is gonna be a very strong test for them um we've seen improvement along the offensive line mm-hmm. i want to continue seeing it i don't they don't have to be dominant but they need to look the part of being very competitive against a very good uh big 12 defensive front the other thing i'm watching is maybe the uh the matchup between woody washington and xavier hutchinson woody hasn't really looked himself so um this is kind of a matchup where it's kind of big body versus big body and i want to see him kind of win those battles yeah, yeah, and and so as far as like my matchups, I'm I'm watching for just like every week. I'm looking for. I'm looking at the defensive line specifically. Are they getting any push or get, are they getting any pressure? Like especially when you know, like you just sometimes there are snaps when the def- entire defensive line just gets stood up and just like one bunch bunch group they get no pressure whatsoever. And then at other times, I'm looking for the linebackers and who's seeking back farther, farther enough, et cetera, because there have been so many opportunities where David Aguebu, Danny Sutsman, they're sinking back far for uh, in, into coverage, but don't sink back far enough just to make a play on the ball or that safety isn't, isn't maybe being a little more patient and staying there for a little bit longer and having that discipline to make more of a play on the ball and just waiting that out. And so I'm watching for just, I guess, discipline as far as the defense goes. And I'm also looking for push on the defensive lines, really in particular, along with how Oklahoma is going to try to attack this Iowa State offense that makes sure you cap the, you cap the offense. They're going to make sure you, they play what is in front of them. And that is going to be a big issue maybe for offenses that rely on big plays, such as Oklahoma's right now. And so how do you think this game plays out? And maybe a score prediction. I want to say the defense might play a little bit better just by default, just because the Iowa State offense just isn't what it used to be. They only have really one big playmaker of the air. The running back has been banged up. They don't have a running game with a quarterback. So... I could see Oklahoma doing pretty well on defense, maybe getting some confidence and kind of running with it throughout the game. Um, so I'll give Oklahoma, I'll give Oklahoma the win. I don't think, I think it's be a tight game. Um, and I'll say something like 24 to 21. I think the win by a field goal. Yeah. Uh, for this game, for me, it comes down to special teams and it comes down to turnovers. I think Oklahoma's football team, especially as of now, uh, yes, defensively, they may not be as solid. I think they still have a a lot more talent than Iowa State does on defense, but they're just not as solid as Iowa State is. Uh, I think Oklahoma has a lot lot more potential anyways. I, I wouldn't say maybe talent right now. And so... How I think the game plays out is I think Oklahoma is able to force Deckers into spots that are uncomfortable and unnatural for him. 
in Oklahoma maybe comes away with the fumble recovery or an interception. Maybe they split the pair and do both. I think Oklahoma is able to do that and kind of instead of having a night game in Ames, in Ames, Iowa, you've got an 11 a.m. kickoff. So, you know, it's not too much of a raucous crowd. Iowa State at Jack Trice Stadium. And so I think Oklahoma also comes away with a, get, with a, with a really gritty win. I think the wins Oklahoma's going to have from now on are really going to be really gritty, these really dogfight mentalities. And so I think Oklahoma probably comes away winning somewhere along the lines of, and I'm giving the benefit of the doubt of Oklahoma's offense and then also Oklahoma's defense. Uh, somewhere along the lines of maybe 30, 31, 28, or 34, 31, somewhere around there. I think Iowa State's still going to be able to score because I think Oklahoma's defense still, you're going to still see some busts. And I don't, I still don't have much, I just still don't have that much hope on the offensive line. Uh, they haven't shown me much. And they've been able to stop the run consistently sometimes, especially when they key in on it. But, with receivers like Hutchinson, it just they tend to back off, and so I'm really curious about their pass rush. But next year, kind of looking forward a little bit further out into the scope. Is OU in the SEC? Is is that a true? Is that is or 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 let's say this statement: OU's in the SEC. True or false? Next year? Uh, false. I don't think they'll live till 2024. I don't think, what was it? Uh, what's what's the new Big 12 commissioner? I don't know. Some entertainer guy. He's been alluding to the other going to stay until 2025, but that's kind of his job. Um, but you keep hearing that there's plans for the Big 12 to move on without Oklahoma and Texas before then. So I think it's up in the air. I don't think it will happen in 2023. I'll go with uh, 2024. And would that not be because I, I I hope it's 2024 and would that not be the ideal year for Oklahoma to maybe enter the SEC as far as that's the year you kind of need to circle as far as guys in the system, uh, getting guys portaled in, getting guys trained a little bit more under Schmitty and Brent Venables. Wouldn't you I circle that maybe as an ideal year to display maybe what Brent Venables fruits have uh, are are bearing at that point? At that point, you should see Oklahoma kind of taking shape uh, as far as what they want to do in the SEC, as far as body types, guys looking the part of you know being a very physical football player. Uh, right now, you're just kind of in the limbo of guys that um, that were it was kind of coached out of them, and some guys, some young guys that just haven't been there long enough to develop. So, uh, 2024 would probably be ideal. 2025 is most likely the most ideal. Most people won't do that. They want to be in the SEC. Yeah. Um, but if especially you know, if you're selling that to recruits, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, the most ideal scenario is they wait till 2025, get the bodies they need, and then move to the SEC. But I think it will happen in 2024. I think it happens in 2024 too, and that's maybe in well, not maybe. I think it's a big reason why that David Hicks commitment to A&M stung a little bit when everybody thought it was trending OU's way because he was a guy that you would need to really compete in the SEC, not just compete in the SEC, but like really compete in the SEC. He's a high quality, very high caliber defensive yeah. lineman. That's a, a piece where teacher. you can, you can add pieces around him. You can add guys yep. that want to play next to an elite defensive lineman. So. Exactly. And so thinking about all of this right now, 
we are, of course, we're less than one year into it. Um, but you know, the season where you're seven games in, you just hit a bye week, and now you're gonna hit uh five opponents. And so now looking for the rest of the season, how do you feel about Brent so far as the head coach of this team? Um I'm kind of, uh, I'm hit or miss on this. So I thought Brent would be a little bit more energetic, a little bit more active. Um, he's kind of like that statue on the, on the, on the sideline, but I get where he's coming from. He's got to be the guy. He's got to have his composure at all times. He can't be running up and down the sideline and screaming. He can't be yeah. the Brent we saw at Oklahoma, um, first time around. He, he just has too much more responsibility to do that. So, um, I, Kind of, I'm maybe a little bit disappointed in that, um, but overall, I I like where he's going. I like that he he continues to have a vision of where this program's heading. Um, it's not that we're close. It's hey, this is where we want to be, and this is our next step. This is how we're going to get there, and we just have to keep getting better. So yeah, when it comes to that, I really like what Brent's saying. Um, hopefully, he turns it around. Hopefully, he can develop some some guys in the short term while the long term kind of plays out. And in the, the authenticity of him is, is in transparency, quite frankly, is a big deal. Like he will tell you straight up what's happening in the program. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to be worried about certain things. Of course, like I think many coaches would mind, would mind if their practices were closed and they had people with goggles or or, or, or not goggles, but uh, binoculars looking from, you know, like some sort of building somewhere to look at practice. I think I think, of course, people would mind on that. But Brent's been very transparent and he knows he's like he, he'll straight, he straight up says, hey, we're not a very good football team right now. And he'll give you the reasons why and the things they need to improve, improve right. on. And so in like, and like you said, he understands like, this is not the level in which the expectations and the standards are Oklahoma standards. They need to be better. And he's preaching those things constantly. Um, and so, and I, and I like that your thought about maybe him, maybe just being disappointed him, not, not, not being as animated. And to me, I think about, it as him being maybe more of a game manager and letting of course he's with the defense occasionally as we see on on the broadcast and stuff like that uh he's with the defense and goes over frequently especially especially for bigger meetings but um it seems like he's letting roof kind of run that show because roof ex knows what to expect from Venables. if we're being quite honest especially as, as if they're not talking on the headset together and and as far as him in general, I, I something I do worry about is when they do have, you know, a a three score lead in late in the third that we've noticed that or 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 there may be a 24 point lead or something like that. And, you know, this defense has been having issues but Brent is now kind of grinding this game as a head coach, as a game manager, he's grinding this game down to a halt in the fourth quarter and putting like different players in rotating a lot of different bodies. Does that concern you? Or do you think that's just for player development? And it's, he's not really, of course he's worried about wins and losses because that matters at Oklahoma, 
But like, what do you think that is? Does that concern you at all? A little bit. And it may be a, a thing where they just don't have the bodies to just keep going throughout the entire game. Um, but when it comes down to what's going to be eventually a playoff team, you want the style points. You want to look the part. You want those, you know, Ohio State, Ohio State beats Maryland 63 to 14. You want to keep finishing the game as strong as you can. And to turn that motor off a little bit, it just doesn't look as good on TV. And that, we all know that it affects the rankings and, and how people think of Oklahoma. So hopefully that's a thing that doesn't continue to happen. I think personally, they don't have a backup quarterback that can keep running the offense. They don't have too much defensive uh, depth right now. So, you know, a year from two or a year from now or two years from now, uh, maybe that changes, but short term, it doesn't look good. I'm not a big fan of it. That's fair, you know, and 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 and, and I, I'm I'm not I'm not either, and and so yeah, gosh, so it, it's been such an interesting season so far with all the storylines, all the headlines, um, since the last time we podcast. Uh, the different things we've missed and talked about, like, for example, Dylan Gabriel. Do you think there's a chance at all that he starts in that Texas game if what had just happened to Tua Tagovailoa did not just happen, like, days prior? Um, like, as much as I want to say no, there's always that added pressure to win and win against your rival. That Baker had didn't he have multiple concussions and play the following week? Well, Baker plays through almost anything. Exactly. You could have just ripped his hand off, amputated his arm on the sideline. He'd probably run back out there for a play. Right. But I mean, there's always that added pressure, not just from like the coaching staff or the medical staff, but as a player, um, there's expectations out there. And I think a lot of like the older NFL guys have talked about it. Um there's this expectations that you just fight through it, fight through whatever you're going through. It's going to make you stronger to make your team better. And you just need to win. So I always think of that regard. I think it's about probably 50, 50 if he would have played honestly, but with two going down, obviously you don't want to be the next school or next NFL team to make the same mistake twice. Yeah. And, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe Gabriel had his bell rung a little bit worse than he was making it sound. I mean, like, he he mentioned how he felt incredibly normal uh not long after that right. injury uh especially that with that next week you know coming up but he was he was being evaluated and they said it was a no go that he knew by you know that falling you know not early in the week that it was going to be a no go and so i thought that was interesting um but that's that's all that's all we got for this podcast man do you have anything else to add um the dog interruption was because i forgot i ordered food from what'd you get i got uh pokey what is it what is okay what is that it's like sushi but in a bowl oh so it's like so it's not like pho or anything it's not a soup no it's like uh so i got like rice but you can get like some other stuff yeah would you recommend it to the listeners Oh, absolutely. I recommend everything. Every product I use, Program Guys, Pokey, um, Lifesaver, Sour Gummy Worms. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. 
Oh, try all of those. The ner nerds clusters too. Also, home also field. recommending those. Home field, home field for sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my friends at Vanessa House. I'm I'm full of product placement. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just you know, we'll give you a shout out and and all of our and all of our fantastic friends, of course. Um, but join Discord. Yeah. Join the Discord. I've actually been a little bit absent. I've had a pretty busy week, like you. Um, so I have no idea what's going on there. So I need to go look and make sure it's not burning down. Yeah, I think someone DM'd me already and they're like, hey, maybe you should block this person. So we're gonna go investigate. Um, but go join the Discord, it's always fun. Um, probably gonna to speed up here with it being November, getting close to early signing. So yep. most likely a lot of recruiting talk in there. And I will plug that in the bio of this description on the podcast. You guys can find that link. So go ahead and follow us at creamsandcreammachine.com. You guys can follow, you can find us on, you know, on Facebook as well and stuff like that. Uh, you can find the podcast there. Uh, but you can also find us on Twitter at CCD Machine. Uh, for me at Kamarabian CCM. You can follow Steven at OU Updated SB. Again, thanks, guys, for listening. Sorry for the long wait, but we appreciate you guys for still listening anyways. And we will check you guys later.